Dr. Samuel Moyne, author of Humane, and I remember Humane, but I always butchered the title, How the United States Abandoned Peace and Reinvented War, available on Audible. Fantastic narration voice. I highly recommend it. But before I go into it and start fanboying, which is what I do with authors, I'm going to have you introduce yourself for all the audience listeners. Just real quick, who you are, what you're about, etc. You know, I'm a teacher. You know, I've I've taught at a few universities teaching at Yale now, and I'm from Missouri. I study history and and law, and I teach in a law school now. Sometimes I teach undergrad history, and uh, it's you know a pleasure to be part of this podcast. I appreciate it, man. Um, So I've had on this podcast a couple times an author, uh, Will Arkin, and uh, perhaps my favorite book of his is. is the generals wear, the generals wear no clothes or the generals have no clothes? Um, I had him mm-hmm. on earlier this year, but it, it, your book reminded me of his, or vice versa. I think yours might have come out before his. And okay. how he puts it forward is instead of winding down the the military industrial complex, it's a lot simpler to just change our uh, what was it their mission statements, what they're going to do, what exactly the initiative is, much like, you know, what, so today's Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. It's been a little, it's been about 80 years and two weeks since the United States has declared war, but no one in their right mind thinks the United States hasn't been at war in 80 years and two weeks. But that's what happens when you change the the definition of something. And what Mr. Arkin puts forward is that you just change what our targets are. Instead of targeting this country or this person, we are now targeting extremism. Well, what does that mean? Right. Well, it's it's purposely vague so that it can be that way. And it shows this perpetuation. So for everyone listening, they may be wondering, how is this tied to your book? You bring up the very important question and you examine it. Can war be made humane? And, you know, it, it's... On one hand, you want to believe it can. You want to believe that it's possible. You want to believe that you can take baby steps towards that direction, right? You know, it's kind of that. It's kind of that. You know, stereotype. Everyone in AA drinks a lot of coffee, and it's like, well, they just move from one drug to another. But and I know I'm ranting, but at one point, at some point, you do look at it and you go, you know what? It's better that they're drinking coffee than drinking alcohol, and you kind of take the win. And so you have that mindset. On the other sure. hand, you have cold turkey, zero tolerance, and that's kind of Curtis LeMay saying that war should be so yeah. intolerable. It should be so horrific yeah. that we avoid it. And yeah. that that whole rant is kind of how I'm viewing your book. It's this, are we, yeah. are we taking the little win that we can or are we, are we like Will Arkin? Are we pushing it down the road forever by just, well, it's more humane than last time, guys. It's more humane than last time, but it never actually ends. And because I'm rude and never stop talking, what are your thoughts on that? Is my analysis anywhere near correct or? It's right on, you know, and I, I'm, I'm with, with Arkin that, you know, uh, you know, this, the diagnosis as you, as you kind of reconstructed is, is, you know, I think insightful and it's widely shared that somehow America has ended up a warmongering country and, and can't, it's, 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 it is an addiction, mm-hmm. uh, in your analogy and it's, it's proved very hard to, you know, kick it. Uh, but then, you know, the question is why, and there are a bunch of reasons and, you know, the forces of perpetuation are really, kind of powerful. And I'm just looking at one little one. Um, although I think it was really significant at certain points in the recent past. Um, and it's this, you know, possibility of trying to make war humane. Now you can trivialize it. First of all, you can deny it and say that war is hell. It can't be humane. Humane war is an oxymoron. I don't think so. At least we have to acknowledge war can be made more humane. And there are differences in the forms of war. And um, it it is, you know, I, on one level, it's almost offensive to trivialize it in, in, in as much as, you know, 57,000 died 
in Vietnam on the American side, you know, a a tenth of that, or you know, maybe a a a, a, a fifth die in in a war on terror that lasts five times as long so far. On the other side of the ledger, victims, you know, five million people died in the Vietnam War on the other side. And, you know, we're coming up on a million at the very, you know, at the at the outside in the war on terror. And again, in a war chronologically five times as long. And if you're one of those four million people that, you know, didn't die in the war on terror because war is more humane, you're you're grateful. Yeah. However, you're right that um, it's it. There's always the alternative of zero. Yeah. And. I'm 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 with the people who are are then worried that well what if sometimes the good is the enemy of the perfect or the better mm-hmm. and what if like making war humane has helped perpetuate it maybe it has maybe it hasn't we can get into that but if that's a possibility we should stare it in the face and figure out what to do about it yeah it's it really is this sort of weird it's very easy for us to say how dare you try to make war humane you're you know you're putting makeup on a pig and it's like yeah you know 5 million indo-chinese and 50 what, 58,000 americans versus and not to you know i have on a lot of veterans on this show yeah. but a mil- i was just talking to a delta force guy but a million yeah. yes that is that is 4 million less you know 5,000 yeah. 6 7,000 soldiers no trivial thing. I'm not trying to make light of those burials. Yeah. There are 51,000 Vietnamese analogs, if you will, Vietnamese soldiers who didn't die, and it's it, it's this right. it's this odd balance, right? It's so. Do we want to say that if it's not perfect, we can't do it? I look at you know, um, I look at. I can't go a podcast without mentioning this. I lost a brother to suicide in 2014. And I was on some hardcore – I appreciate it, man. I was on some hardcore anxiolytics afterwards, clonazepam, Mm -hmm. right? And it was Mm -hmm. uh, was on them for like six months and finally I was like, I have to get off this shit. This can't go on forever. And I went cold turkey. Very lucky my mom's a nurse and I had an actual medical professional with me. But I have had friends who were also on those drugs for other reasons. And I would always say you just got to kick it. You can't negotiate with it. And they would kick it and they would keep falling back into it. And after several years of falling back into it, I had to reexamine it and go, you know, is the perfect the enemy of the good? And so finally, I've had friends, you know, obviously remain private, but, you know, move to a a lesser one, maybe like a small dose of Valium. And then a year later, they moved to just to just Benadryl to help them sleep. And a year after that, Mm -hmm. now they just take melatonin and. On one hand, you could go, you're just perpetuating drugs. But on the other hand, I go. Yeah, but kind of like the five million to the one million, it's like of course. they went from clonazepam to now they're just taking a melatonin. You know, exactly. You can't tell me exactly. that's not a win. Exactly. But it like all it things, is a win. It is. It so is. So we're we're debating like not whether there we're, we're we're you know often we've got an easy choice where there's one good thing and one bad thing. Yeah. And in this case, it's much more difficult because we have one thing that's better. And then another that's ideal. Yeah. And the question is, of course, can we have the better alternative to what's already a step in the right direction? And a lot of people, when it comes to war, say you can't. That we should, let's say, rest content with endless but more humane war. Because not only can we not get rid of war, we wouldn't want to. We got to fight it sometimes. And at least we've made it more humane when it comes. Now, I think, you know, I'm a lot older than you, so you can agree or disagree with this. Every war that I've seen America fight in my lifetime and therefore in yours has made America and the world worse off. And so if you find me a war that's worth fighting, then I'm for a humane version of it. But the first and most important question is, should we be doing it? And if the answer is routinely no, maybe always no, then we've got another problem, which is we don't have an anti-war movement. We have a humane war. 
as our as as our generation's highest goal yeah. and that's a problem yeah yeah no it's a there's a fly flying around here making me look like an idiot um yeah it's it's you know i listened to your book twice and i that really was the conclusion i came to is is like I mean, it's so simple to just say, well, it's hard. There's no gray area. You can say all the cliches, damned if you do, damned if you're not really getting anywhere. And it's what I have concluded is I 100% agree as we make this more humane, we are in a way normalizing it. On the other side of me, it's like, let's take the cold, hard, you know, your mom will kind of like, butter up a problem you know we need to talk about your grades and your dad will kind of come in and be like listen up shithead you know you kind of need that cold hard reality you step back and you look at all of human history and you look at the the mass death and suffering you look at the great war you look at world war ii right so 415,000 american soldiers dead you look at korea you look at vietnam you look at you know desert storm war on terror you're right. You know, give me a just war. Have we had a just war since since August 9th, 1945? I mean, I'd say maybe if you could pinpoint Bin Laden, maybe Tora Tora, Tora Bora, whatever it was called. Sure. Sometimes you got to take the cold, hard reality and go all of human history from the Great Pyramids to Alexander the Great to drones over Yemen. The reality is, is it is becoming less and less lethal for the population at large. Yes, it would be great if we were all holding hands and our countries ran on nuclear fusion. But often we have to take what we can get. And what we can get right right now is making it more humane, making it more, you know, what did uh, Chelsea Manning or was this, what what was it, the leaking of the shooting of the van with the machine gun? And that was uproar. But I mean, you go sure. back to World War II, man. We 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 firebomb Dresden, and you know, okay, what's next? Yeah, or, or celebrated. Yes, you know, yes. Especially when it was was you know in Japan. Yeah. Um. You know, without a second thought, and and now we have a conscience, but um, you know, it's it we we keep going. We 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 make it less flagrant. You know, the funny thing is, you 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 fall into a rut in a sense, because always you have the picture of, 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 you know, the video leaked or you have the critical journalist publishing in the New York times about how it's still really friggin' brutal. Yeah. Uh, and then we say, Oh, well, you know, it, it, you can't make war more humane, even though the revelations, um, point to like systemic failures by the military, but they're still in a different category than what you saw over Japan in 1945 yeah. or in Korea. I mean, one of the amazing things I discovered and report in the book is folks who serve in Korea and, and, and Vietnam and get to Vietnam and say, you think this was bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you should have been in Korea yeah. where, like it was like a smoking Holocaust. Oh yeah. That, you know, the B fifty twos caused there and we're being nice this time. Yeah. And and yet and then if you compare that to the war on terror, you know, you you, you really you, the war is changing. Yes. And 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 yet if we if we always push it to be more and more humane, where does that go if we never isolate the the at least the wars that aren't worth fighting or about which we're having second thoughts and we're seeing that under Joe Biden where he's he's finally ended you know at least one big form of the mm-hmm. war on terror mm-hmm. and we can get into whether how big a deal that is you know since he also said he would continue the other big form yeah it's yeah it's it's for everyone listening in your book it's yeah they talk about Korea they talk about, again LeMay but I mean, just the destruction, the scorched earth, and you know, set fires. Yeah. And you saw people putting the fires out, you strafe them. And you get to Vietnam, yeah. and they're like, isn't war hell? And they're like, what? They're like, dude, were you yeah. in Korea? Yeah. And, and you're, you no, know, we're being really careful. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, you can only imagine you could probably grab one of those Korean guys 
going, isn't this hell? And there's probably some guy that was at the Battle of the Bulge and was like, boy, what'd exactly. you say? What'd you just, you know, exactly. my, no, I mean, yeah, my, you know, my, my great uncle passed away like 10 years ago. He was 18 yeah. on Omaha Beach. Yeah. I mean, yeah. man, you bring him to present day. I, I don't know if he, and I don't want to put yeah. words in his mouth. But I, I don't know if he would bat an eye at the war on terror. I mean, yeah. I mean, you lose yeah. 5,000 taking the beach at Guadalcanal and it's, exactly. and, and it's very easy, you know, well, then let's play devil's advocate. Tommy, yeah. Sam, you guys are, you're, you're making this humane. You're making the war machine more palatable. Yes. But sometimes you can't go cold Turkey on Xanax. Sometimes you have to take baby yeah. steps to Benadryl and it's, you take the win any way you can. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting that. Yeah. It, it, but here's the thing, you know, we got to change analogies because yeah. it wasn't that Barack Obama, who's like the main character of my book, he, he's not like saying, oh, you know, we tried to kick it and, and we just decided we'd do this lesser form of it. He actually, he owns it. And he says, you know, we're good people mm-hmm. for, fight for fighting war and making it humane we're 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 doing the right thing it's not like a lesser evil yeah um you know because we have to fight sometimes and terrorists threaten which they do and then then we're we're like the we're 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 not like people who can't give up an addiction and have chosen you know to 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 you know take, take, take Xanax. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're, 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 it's, it's a different analogy because he's actually claiming that we're, we're, we're in the best possible world. You know, if we're threatened, then of course we fight and we're, we're good people. It's not like there's a better alternative than this. Yeah. He's, he's kind of Hunter S Thompson, right? Where he's like, yeah, I wake up okay. and take LSD. And it's like, oh, you're not even trying to kick it. You're, you're owning. Yeah. Which, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. But, he's, he's basically saying, I mean, he's saying like brutal war sucks, but then when he comes to humane war, he's like, this is ideal. And, and so he's not like regret, re, he's not regretting it in the same way as you would, if you basically wanted to end the addiction. Now, in fairness, when he rolled out the drone program, as I narrate, this is at the National Defense University in 2013, he's accosted by this anti-war activist mm-hmm. who gets ejected. You know, she heckles him. And then he goes off script and he said, you know, maybe America shouldn't fight endless war. Where is that going to take the country? Yeah. It's going to degrade us. Yeah. And consider what's happened since Obama. Um, but then he goes on to say, you know, he returns to his script, which is we – are good people because we're fighting the best of all possible wars. Yeah. You know, in, in, in that, in that vignette in your book, uh, I think he says, I think president Obama says, um, you know, she wasn't entirely wrong. This fly, I swear to God, making yeah. me look like Mike Pence during the debates. Absolutely. He, he says, no, that's right. he says, uh, uh, he says, she's not entirely wrong, but I don't think she entirely heard me. And yeah, he's like, we got to listen to her and I want to respond, but she wasn't listening to me either. Which um, is, which is just as bad. If, if we dig our heels yeah. and go, no, Mr. Obama, well, sure. no, Mr. Trump, no, Mr. Biden, no wars whatsoever. It's like, well, dude, now yeah. we're going to be doing this. We're truly going to be doing this. Correct. You have to wonder, do you get into office? And I don't mean in some, right. and then the Illuminati. Yeah. No, I mean, do you get into office? Do you get all the classified briefings? Do you look at the geopolitical? Do you look at 7 billion people? Do you look at trade routes, global warming, resource wars? Yeah. And do you come out of it and go, dude, we're literally doing like the best possible scenario. Like you have to trust right. me. And it's easy to not trust them. But Of course. Well, but I thought we we agreed that, you know, we had all these big wars and, you know, rising military budgets, you know, and what do we have to show for it exactly? Yeah. Now, I understand and that when you're in power and you're given the, you know, daily brief by the central intelligence yeah. officer and, and they tell you about a, a, a list of scary things the happening right falling. then, yeah. you can't, you can't be a pacifist as president. And, and frankly, you know, Obama got the peace prize and he went to Oslo and said, you didn't think I was a man of peace at the height of the world's greatest military superpower. Um, 
but at least I'm going to do it humanely. So, uh, and, and yet I, I, I think that we, we see, you know, these presidents get elected by opposing wars, you know, Obama first off against Hillary Clinton in 2008, Donald Trump, when he comes out against his fellow Republicans mm-hmm. in February 2016, South Carolina, he says Iraq was dumb and a mistake. Uh, and you couldn't say that before no. then in Republican circles. No. And far from tanking, he wins. And then he won't beat Hillary again. And then Biden wins, you know, campaigning against the forever war. So somebody thinks that we're doing war too much. And the presidents understand that when they're running as anti-war candidates, then they become endless war presidents in office. They're listening to the daily brief. And, and I, I get, I get totally that, you know, Americans demand security. I'm one of them. But um, on the other hand, when we money Monday morning quarterback it, we say, well, wait a second. We made the world worse repeatedly. And actually, we created more terrorists yeah. along the way. So where does that leave us? Well, we can't just say we just let it let it run because we demand security. We say we need a way of constraining presidents from repeatedly making mistakes as we see them in retrospect. And I, I think, you know, there's always the, yeah, the Monday morning quarterbacking. You know, you have to wonder... Are we giving these guys too much credit? Are they actually anti-endless war or is that a face they put on or do they actually get in, you know, and do they get in there and are there, you know, state actors in the CIA, you know, who are all for the revolving door of the military industrial complex and they come in and, you know, the sky is falling. China's going to kill us all tomorrow if you don't do this. Yeah, sure. But again, it's almost like you got to zoom out and go. Yeah. You know, we can sit here. We we tried to be isolationist in World War One, and like you said, Woodrow Wilson prosecuted everyone that was against it. We tried in World War Two, and again, eighty years ago this month, yeah. you know, we were doing the Lend Lease program. But eventually, yeah. the reality is, is sometimes it comes to your front door. Pearl Harbor, nine uh, eleven, yeah, no doubt. Sometimes I mean, it's here. I'm for World War Two. Oh, yeah. I mean, nine eleven is a different case since it's a terrorist band. It's not a state. Not a state actor, but. And, and it's not an enemy on par with Nazis or communists. Not at all. Not at all. It's, it's, it's a regulatory problem. And, you know, we end up killing, I mean, consider how many, you know, like we lost a few thousand and then we went on and killed, you know, th- you know, 3,000 times as many people yeah. uh, on, in, in response, including many, many, many more innocent than we lost. So, no, but I, I agree with you. And China, the Chinese Cold War is already on. Oh, yeah. And the military budget just voted through is higher than ever. And we're going to do something with the money. So, you know, the question is, do we do we need to fight an, another round of war with climate change and Chinese, you know, th- threats in various places and as just a general rival. Well, I hope less than in the last hundred years, because it just doesn't seem like we have a a lot of improvement to show for it. And it's not clear to me that, like, was it worth fighting Vietnam? No. Was that a good idea? No. You know, was was it worth fighting the war on terror? Was that a good idea? So why aren't we in that mindset when it comes to the Chinese conflict on, on, on the way? Sure. I know it absolutely. I mean, I mean, I've had on Gordon Chang, I've had on uh, Brigadier General Robert Spaulding from Obama's National Security Council, his book Stealth War, all about, you know, the the rising Chinese threat. Right. It, it is. And that for everyone listening to this, they're, at, they're probably just, they're like, what what side are you guys coming down on? <laughs> and as you and I are just right. we're schizophrenic, we're arguing both points. But sure. it's, you know, was Vietnam worth it? Not at all. You know, were any of these things worth it? I mean, really not since World War Two. I would. It, it's, right. Right. You know, and, and that's when we were attacked. Yeah. Um, and and more than that, you know, Adolf Hitler declared war on us two days after Pearl, Pearl Harbor. If he hadn't have done that, well, he's just a moron. You know, it's not it, it, total moron. Um, but you know, he thought, well, I'm going to win. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And 
and plus he but at any rate um it's, that we could have just had the pacific war in that case and you know it's really you know we we played the lesser role in sure. in beating hitler in 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 europe um sure and and so it it it, it, there are righteous wars for to fight. I'm not. I, I'm not a pacifist. Yeah. But yeah. You know, when when you go down the list, it, it, there aren't a lot of them. And then we have this coming one, and it's it's still unclear to me if China actually has big geopolitical ambitions and whether they're military in nature. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have this South China Sea thing brewing, but that's in you know, nearby, you know, yeah. we invaded Cuba, yeah. you know, 120 years ago, you know, yeah. and, and, and a lot of other places in, in this hemisphere. And we didn't, we wouldn't, didn't permit Europeans to get involved in those. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's not clear to me what the nature of the threat is and whether we need to think about a military response especially when we have this track record of failure precisely in the military domain. Yeah. It's, um, you know, to, I've had on, I've had on here before, uh, Richard Rhodes, author of making the mm-hmm. atomic bomb. And, uh, right. at the beginning of his book, dark sun, the making of the hydrogen bomb, he does talk about LeMay. And when LeMay got to Europe and, what, uh, maybe, I don't know, like spring, summer, 24, not 2042, 1942. Yeah, uh, the rate at which our planes were being shot down by the Nazis, paired with the rate at which we were building new planes, was it, yep. was, it was a negative. It was a negative. It was a negative ratio Absolutely. to the point where Lemay writes, and I think it's journal. He just he does the quick math. You know, for every yep. within thirty days, we won't have an air force. And right. Lemay gave that uh, or touched on that again, like ten years later when he was. Uh, mastering strategic air command and that's what he said he goes i will never forget the feeling of knowing we're within 30 days of not having an air force and i'm watching these nazis destroy europe and you know pearl harbors two months in the rearview mirror and that is yep. what led him to create or to master strategic air command headquartered off it to have a he called it the sunday punch your ability to nuke an entire nation killing a nation is yep. what he called it yeah maybe i mean and now i'm just playing this side Maybe you look at Pearl Harbor. Maybe you yeah. are, you know, LeMay on the ground, not you and I talking about it, but yeah. you're there. Yeah. And you're looking at this and you're going, if I make it through this, I will never allow this to happen again. Maybe there's a reality. Maybe there's a reality where we don't have a bloated defense budget and there are Vietnam skirmishes every year. And we'd be going, yeah. maybe, and this is now Michelle for Northrop Grumman. Maybe yeah. if we had an enormous army, there would still be skirmishes sure. and still be losses of life. But we well, we know have. that's the case. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We know that's so that's, that's the reality. I mean, look we at know. the military budget relative to any other power, and the next eight combined it's don't insane. come anywhere oh, oh. near what we vote for. Oh, so, you're preaching to the choir. And, you're and, yeah. and it's and 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 what what is the effect of that? So, um, you know, maybe it's big. And and actually, like I talk in the book about. Um, you know, Leo Tolstoy, whose mm-hmm. character says, you know, we should leave war brutal because then we'll have less of it and we should just make it friggin' scary. And, you know, that's what, you know, Sherman thinks. And that's what LeMay, it's like a time honored tradition, you know, shock and awe. And, and that's how you, you reduce the incidence of war. Doesn't seem like that's working out to, to, to my liking because, You've 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 got the shock and awe on occasion, but you you seem to be creating perpetual enemies. And of course, the fact that you're gearing up for the next war with constantly increasing expenditures, you know, is su- suggests that we d- we don't even think that you know having a, just way outstripped anyone else in in armament and capacity does the job. Because sure. we just buy more and more, and there's always the next technological innovation. Yeah. So I, you know, you know, you take this thing in Ukraine where we're scared the Russians are going to invade, yeah. and yet their expenditures militarily are like a tenth of ours. Yeah. Um, either it's the case that 
like they're going to lose badly or it turns out that like if it's if it's near you and you really want to fight you can beat a superior power either way um you know it's not clear to me that the, the this idea that like spending a lot and killing a lot of people keeps war at bay very hard to establish that yeah 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 the idea of of LeMay said this now I'm going right against myself yeah. is LeMay said this and it's like he did say that but now we do have it yeah. and we've had it for decades yeah. correct where are we at where why do we just correct. I, I think you, you you said it in your book right the uh the the uh you adjusted for inflation that the cost of world war one right and it was yeah I think it was what three trillion maybe two trillion yeah, yeah. and it's and now we have what adjusted for inflation. What was the war in Iraq? What, eight, six or eight? Let's say yeah. on the low end. Let's yeah. say on the low end, six. Still, yeah. still double. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you could now, like uh, as I always do. Now I'm just jumping sides again. You could argue three trillion and what like fifty million deaths, six trillion and a million deaths. Right. That's not nothing. Maybe you go is the is the price tag. I, I don't know. There There isn't a good answer because you're right. You know, we're talking about well, all these things and yet we, here we are beating the drums, China rising. And it's like, sure. I mean, I think like we're clearly spending a lot on the new new forms of war, which will make it very hard to predict not just the outcome, but like to establish like some kind of law about the price versus the outcome. So you know, if, if, if the contest is mainly like cyber war Mm -hmm. and drone or robot, well, we haven't seen that yet, you know, and we know it's costly because Northrop Grumman and et cetera, demand a lot of have gotten very rich uh, and we're willing to pay for what they're, what they're bringing online. But then you get the actual war. Well, we haven't been, yeah. in a full-blown cyber war and we haven't been in a robot war yeah and if you i don't think you can predict that there'll there'll be fewer casualties i mean if you imagine world war three china versus us fought with drones and robots are you saying that just because it's a lot pricier it the casualties are going to be lower well i sounds pretty i feel like unlikely that, to me it's eventually going to escalate to after a right. couple of years of killing each other's drones, someone's going to go and go, how about if we just made it so unpalatable for the Americans, they wanted to end it, and now we're right back at firebombing right. cities. Well, right. Yeah, exactly. And <sighs> and it, it, when it becomes existential, all bets are off, and you use any any tool in the arsenal, maybe exactly. not nukes, but maybe nukes. And, and, and so one thing that has to be clear is that, you know, my book, which is about humane war, is about a form of war that can be credible before we're anywhere near the existential, um, either in these asymmetrical counterinsurgent conflicts, like against terrorists, where you have the upper hand from day one and they're just a tough opponent because they blend in, because they run, because they're deterritorialized and you can't find them. Um, And, or in, in like the early stages of a contest with China, which could take the form of conventional war um, or proxy war, depending on who we arm and where we're fighting. Um, it, I think it would be, you know, fought according to the current rules, which require more humanity. Like we wouldn't target civilians in the early days. But if it becomes existential, it's all bets are off. And, you know, the embarrassment of these rules that I wrote my book about is that, you know, it it, it gets existential pretty quick. World War One, all the rules are ignored. You know, World War Two, all the rules are ignored. You know, World War Three, they'd be ignored. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't care about like you know, conflicts short of the existential. And that's what I'm trying to write about because it's in those that we can say, well, these rules which make war more humane could have this cost that we keep on fighting. And actually maybe the escalation is there, you know, so maybe if we, if we take a more conciliatory attitude towards China and say, okay, well, um, maybe you need to get rowdy in the South China Sea 
it's your backyard. Um, and we need to do something, you know, to try to stop it because Taiwan is, you know, a, a thriving democracy and we need to protect it to the extent we can. Um, but we, we, do we want to go to World War III over Taiwan? Yeah. Then you get to, you know, the, the kind of larger geopolitics. Does China want world domination the way that Hitler and we thought Stalin did? They, they want to be rich. They want to be equal. Uh, we're way richer. Well, you know, we had a good run. Can they not be rich? Can they not have the same lifestyle as us, even if they become a great power? I don't have a problem with it. You know, um, why should they make iPhones and not get to use them? Netflix, so, Netflix you know, I don't know that we need to fight a war over them becoming equal. It's, I don't get that one. It's um, and so if we're more conciliatory, maybe we don't need to get to World War Three. I think that's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful point. I think, I think you're right. It's, um, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis was, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of theory, theory meets reality, mutual assured destruction. And they finally, you know, it went from proxy to it finally got real. Russian or uh, Soviet frigates and freighters and, and American destroyers. And we're right there, baby. And we're looking at each other in the eye. And it's almost like, it's almost like two guys talking shit. Sam, you want to take this outside, bro? You want, you know, we're both right. 12 beers deep. You want to take it? And we go outside. Yep. And I'm, it's like, do I really want to hit you? And you're like, my wife right. is here. And it's like, what are we doing? And it's like, that is yeah. Cuban Missile Crisis, which is a weird soundbite, does give me yep. hope because we did walk up to the brink. And we, and we went, yo, you know, excuse me, what the fuck are we doing? And it's, yeah. Are we going to be there with Taiwan? Are we going to be there with Ukraine? Yeah. Are we there? Is the embargo there? Do you have right. a, a Bobby Kennedy reaching out to the to you know you know the equivalent of you know or equivalent Bobby Kennedy reaching out to Beijing back yeah. channel and going, yeah. we'll get rid of these things in Turkey. You guys take them out of here. Let's all go home. Yeah, I, man, it's it's. It's, it could go either way. It could go, it, or it could be they, a nuclear they're, holocaust. They're, yeah, they're going to be. Well, I, you know, I don't see the U.S. initiating a nuclear war over Taiwan and China either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ukraine. I, you know, it's hard to say, but you, you're right that in both of these kinds of conflicts, there could be brinksmanship, and then you could have like an an ex, an offer an exit ramp at the last minute. Yeah. Now let's hope we don't come to that because yeah. again, who, who's, who's winning these things? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we kept the nukes out of Cuba, but you know, Cuba is under communist rule today, you know, all these years yeah. later and they were never a threat to the homeland. Yeah. So what, you know, I mean, the nukes would have been for sure, but um, it's like, what was at stake, you know, a- after, you know, it, I, I understand making sure that we weren't under nuclear threat was at stake, but it's not like the Cuban people ended up free, yeah. you know, to this day. And with Taiwan, a lot's at stake in a sense. Um, but, you know, we, we, we could protect Taiwan and China is still under communist domination, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's um, again like where, how, how, what, what, what's the long game in these kinds of scenarios? To quote, to quote, to quote the great Doctor Moyne from about thirty minutes ago, it's easy to say a million deaths is absolutely unacceptable, but if you're one of the one right. million civilian deaths as opposed to the five million in Vietnam, you're not, yeah. you're not saying that's nothing. Correct. If you know, in the parallel universe where there's a nuclear holocaust versus you live in communist China or communist Cuba, not to make light of their situations, true. you might totally true. You might go, hey man, it's this or nuclear winner. And I know and I know totally those are very true. those are very binary and it's easy. No, no, I like get. that point. You know, my book is really about like alternative forms of war and alternatives within war. Yeah. But of course we at the end we have to zoom out and say, well look, if we if we don't fight this war, if we don't fight the war on terror, there's going to be a cost. Yeah. Like consider that like people, certain kinds of secular people were benefited by ousting the Taliban for almost two decades Absolutely. before they came back. Absolutely. And that you can't deny that. 
Um, but then what was, what, what that was on one side of the ledger on the other side of the ledger was, you know, 800,000 deaths and, you know, the perpetuation of terrorism and the rise of ISIS and, you know, all kinds of things that, you know, seem bad. And so I agree that in the end, we have to ask what, what is the net benefit or cost of our policy? Because there are going to be some good things and bad things, and we need to like add them up. And my only, you know, per- perception is that when I add it all up, most of the wars have made the world worse. Absolutely, oh, un- undeniably, it, it, it's so. Let's just like let's t- like t- let's take a little bit more care. Let's like fight a couple fewer in the next fifty years than we have in the past, last fifty years, because I... on on net we're better off. Absolutely. I think what we will see, and um, I think what we will see is it will probably be something akin to the Korean veterans in Vietnam. You know, maybe there's a a skirmish in South China, a proxy skirmish or something. Maybe it's, you know, the whatever, it starts in 2035. And it's, uh, man, can you believe that? You know, we've been at year for two wars. We've been at war with whatever. We've been backing Ukraine for two years, and the death toll just passed 500. And you go, hey, I'm not making light of that, man. But, like, I watched the Twin Towers fall in middle school. Like, this is a lot less worse. And all of a sudden, you kind of get the Korea guy. You go, it's all bad. Every every death is is bad. But on the grand scheme of things, like, are we not? But then there's also... Then there's also this whole, you know, someone with nefarious intent could take that argument I made earlier, 3 trillion, 50 million dead in World War One versus 6 trillion, but only a million dead in War, in, uh, yeah. in, in war on Terror. Well, now yeah. well now you can use that to hold the world hostage. You go, we have to have sure. 100 trillion. Do you want the deaths down? Yeah. And now it's like, yeah. well, what game okay, are we Okay, now playing? hold on, though, because, because I, just, like, just to go back, sure. what we should be careful to distinguish are – are the comparisons that are solely within war and then the ones that are even broader. So on the Korea Vietnam thing, we can say, Oh yeah, Vietnam, much, much, you know, less brutal and, you know, but per capita and, you know, and in the time allowed, I mean, probably like less grievous overall Korea, just, you know, horrendous. Um, And, you know, you can get out the tote boards and so forth. But, you know, let's say your comparison holds. But then you look at them geopolitically and you say, okay, we went into Korea basically to save South Korea from communist domination. As I narrate in the book, Douglas MacArthur makes this faithful decision to keep going and push the commies back and maybe eject them from the whole peninsula. Well, that incites the, the, the Chinese to invade, yeah. and it leads to a three-year war, which puts everything back at the beginning. Which is Total waste of time. Which is total waste. Today. I mean, total weight. No reason to fight it. Vietnam, you've said, same. <sighs> so, like, when we compare these two, we zoom out and we say, neither of these wars is worth fighting. And so we should we should do a comparison about between like and like war wartime death and injury versus wartime death and injury but then we have to step back and that's where you get to world war ii and you say okay it was incredibly nasty but it was for a good cause and it made the world better because it put down these dictators and whatnot or at least one of them hitler and 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 then we look at the other wars it's not that they're necessarily more or less brutal it's that they were pointless yeah vietnam War on terror. So let's have a war that has a point and makes the world better. Yeah. You know, and of course we need to factor in who dies in it. Yeah. But what we need to know, did it make everyone better off or worse off? Yeah, no, I mean, no, that's a brilliant point is it's like on one hand, you're like, yeah, it costs a little more, but guys, we're losing less people. And it's like, okay, sure. But like, what are we doing? It's like World War Two. Hey. We right. got Hitler to pop himself, and we released the yep. Jews from the. I mean, like Marvel movie level good and evil. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, baby, there we go. You know. Yeah. But then it's like with this, it's like, well, yeah, you know, thank God for we did Korea and Vietnam was less. It's like, well, look at a satellite photo of North, of Korea from space at night today. It's the same bifurcation. Yeah. Correct. What are we doing? And it's, 
you know, and and it's very easy for you and I sitting in our respective chairs in front of computers yep. and we're clearly not at war. You know, I get to do a podcast yep. for a living. You're a professor. You write books. It's very easy for us to perch on ivory Absolutely. towers and say how things should Absolutely. be. Absolutely, I'm I'm totally with you there, and yeah. and I don't want power, but yeah. but then we still have to reserve the right to to ask. <laughs> hard questions Absolutely. of those who exercise it. Absolutely. So I, I agree we should concede that they have a hard job and they have to get elected and they have to answer if a terrorist strikes Americans yeah. and kills a lot again. Yeah. Uh, that said, you know, we look at the tote board and say, let's look at the levels of violence that we inflicted and then let's zoom out and say, well, where, where did ISIS come from? And like, how is it that we promised to make Afghanistan a better place and made it much worse, not just for 20 years, but in the end, we, Taliban beat us. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. They, you know, we ejected they, them and they came back victorious. They won. So they won. Uh, the, 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 it's not it's if we, we have to reserve the space to say that one wasn't worth it Absolutely. and don't do it again or at least think think more carefully next time. Yeah. About the long run. Yeah. It's, you know, I've, uh, you know, I, I had on right after the, the suicide bombing at Kabul, I actually mm -hmm. interviewed one of the Marines while he was at the air base. He was like 14 hours ahead of me. And, you know, there's a guy talking and, you know, he's like, he knew, he knew several of the guys that were killed by the suicide bombing. And it's like, you're talking to this young guy and it's like, here I am in my leather chair and you see this guy and he's got bags under his eyes and he's sitting in front of like a sandbag and he's talking about it. But then on the other hand, it's like, that's terrible. But, but man, and, and Hey, I'm, I'm a conservative guy. I'm, I'm, I'm but I give Biden credit for pulling the bandaid off because as, and I'm not making right. light of those 10 deaths. I mean, I, like I, sure. like, I, like I said, I, I, I lost a brother. Like I understand that. Like it's, it's not just a number, but pulling the Band-Aid off and, okay, maybe not doing it in the cleanest and most organized way, how many cumulative deaths did you – you know, what if we had just pulled the Band-Aid yeah. off in 2010? And it would have been Correct. bad and we would have had some unnecessary Correct. deaths, but we'd have 10 more Correct. years of maybe not having another 100 deaths a year. And it's it's a macabre right. equation. It's, yeah. you know, it's like them calling well, – yeah. in, in the Cold War, they call it a mega death. It stood for a million deaths yeah. and it's like, dude – yeah. How can you say what Dr. Strangelove only 30 million deaths, yeah. Mr. President, an acceptable number. And it's like, right. it's like, what are we saying? But dude, I don't that, know. That seems I, right to me. And, and of course you empathize. I mean, so, you know, Barack Obama comes to office and he surges in Afghanistan, yeah. brings the troops up to a hundred thousand and then begins to withdraw as, as Bush had already begun to do from Iraq. Obama completes the withdrawal in Iraq, and then it takes Trump to try to withdraw from Afghanistan, gets it from seven to 3,000, and is blocked by various forces. Yeah. Uh, and then Biden completes the job. And you can ask, like, well, should it have taken this long, you know, when the surge failed, you know, it was just a matter of time, even by when Biden became president, the Taliban controlled much of the country, especially in the rural areas. And that was in part because we'd spent we'd created this drone program mm -hmm. and out of desperation just killed a lot of people, uh, which actually alienated uh, the Afghan, you know, rural yeah. population to support the Taliban. So, you know, my question is not, it, 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 it is not the good one of like why it took so long to accept the inevitable. It's really more like, should we, should we accept this thing we did in, in, in over time from Obama to Biden of pivoting not to, greater withdrawal and restraint but a a a targeted killing program using high-tech so-called humane weaponry because that's what happened yeah and what you know we can debate like the big footprint wars afghanistan and iraq my my story is much more about what they tried to replace it with what yeah. they successfully replaced it with you know and when when biden finally did the job of withdrawal and and 
spoke in its favor. As you say, it was heroic because he faced so much resistance. But when he spoke about it and justified it, he also said, don't worry, I'm keeping the drones and I'm keeping over the horizon operations. And, you know, Afghanistan's going to become a source of terror even more than before because remember what happened when the Taliban was in charge of Afghanistan last time. And so, and plus there's the pivot to China and the drone and robot wars of the future. So it's, it's this period we've just lived through, I think we'll remember not so much or not only for Afghanistan and Iraq as for the invention of this new kind of stealthy, humane war, because it's the wave of the future and Biden promised to preserve it. Yeah, it's, it's, and there's sort of this, and then one just little little side note is like we yep. kind of see this thing where it's like you know, uh, you know Obama wants to shut down Guantanamo Bay and we have conservatives saying we can't do that and then we have Trump saying I'm going to withdraw us from Syria and then we have liberals saying we're abandoning the Kurds and then we have Biden saying continuing exactly what Trump was doing and saying no we got to finish it and now we have conservatives saying what are you doing at a certain point it's like guys I mean, yeah. are we or are we not for forever wars? And if the answer is we are not, yeah. then it doesn't matter if it's Joseph goddamn Biden or Donald fucking Trump. We go, hey, take it home. Like, stop right. the little the little nitty might point. Well, I point. agree. It's like we – but to put that aside. But then, we're so far from that because, you know, it, it, you know – the, the the resistance hated Trump and they yeah. they impeached him twice. In the middle of the first impeachment trial, they take a break and and they're at each other's throats over Trump. But the Democrats and Republicans vote through the National Defense Authorization Act. And today, you know, we say the Republicans are a fascist party. That that's what the Democrats say. And yet, you know, oh, they oh. vote through they vote through in common. You know, near unanimous the. The, the greatest military. So no one really believes what we're saying now. Yet. Yeah. I mean, our, our, our politicians are just like still in the addiction phase. They're not even trying to get off. Yeah. They, they're not at cold Turkey versus Xanax. They're, they're not even, they're, 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 at, they're Thompson. At, like they're, they're at heroin. They're at Hunter S Thompson. They're going, no, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's right. cool to be the uniparty. And it's like, dude, and it's, right. that kind of brings up the, like, I, I and perhaps I'm doe-eyed and optimist. I, I do believe o- Obama wanted to change things, and I think he got in there. And yeah. you know, whereas yeah. with a lot of these kind of you know congressmen, senators, I, I look at and I go, I don't even think it's that they got into office and realized it was dark. I think they were just demons in the first place. But that's another rant right. for another time. What I want to say about I think the bigger issue is Congress, you know, has has abdicated because. The Constitution says they're supposed to be in charge of war. Yeah, well, it's and they basically said, "Well, you, you, the president can take the heat." Yeah, uh, and we'll just fund the thing. Yeah, Uh, so that that's a deep pathology. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and it's not about them being good or evil. It's about them avoiding responsibility, which the Constitution actually gives them. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. How do we look back at Vietnam? Well, it was it was Kennedy, and then it was LBJ, and it's like. Those are two guys. This was a yeah. multi-billion-dollar, million, hundreds of, of thousands course. of soldiers of enablers. It wasn't of LBJ. It wasn't Jack Kennedy, Philander. It was like, dude, it's even now we're talking about Obama, and it's like, yeah, and the trillion-dollar defense right. machine. <laughs> like, well, exactly. And who vote? Who voted for all those appropriations? Five hundred and thirty-five guys in there, and women. It's right. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to touch on before I before I lost that train of thought was um what you were saying about how this is actually the birth of the new stealth war, the new it's, and we look at, you know, world war one, it's like, well, actually the treaty of Versailles was more of like a ceasefire. And then we did, you know, we do world war two and we look at August 9th, 1940, you know, the, the sailor kissing the nurse. And it's like, well, we're actually going to, there's this whole Berlin airlift thing. It's just going to take a couple of years guys. And then it goes for another 40 years. And it's, and now we look back and we go, oh, Nazis inventing the missiles didn't end the war. It just led to the Cold War. And then you could say, right, Cold War yeah. proxies, right, Mujahideen. Well, now we have those same funded yes. guys pulling off 9-11. And, now, and it leads and yes. it leads and it leads. It's, well, this is sobering. Like in the end of every war is the seeds of the next one. Seed. 
and and it seems like that's actually happening right now. Uh, before I mean, our eyes. Biden, before our Biden eyes. promised that in two ways. First, preserving and if you like, purifying the stealth war, uh, the humane war that I wrote about, even in withdrawing from Afghanistan, and second, pivoting to China. And who knows what forms that war will take? But it's it's going to be generational, you know. And for those of us who are older than you, you know, we were told on September, you know, 11, 2001, that we were going to have to fight a generational war against terror. Well, you know, that's my life. It didn't work out that well. And I I don't see why young people today would accept a generational war that's, you know, that's the seeds of which are being planted right now. Yeah, that's like, that's like if... uh like your like your keyboard broke on your computer and you're like hey Tommy can you come check out my computer and I'm like all right so what I'm looking at is I think we need four flat screens there's this beautiful new 3090 hard drive it costs 100 you're like dude I just need a new keyboard you're like what are we talking right. what are you doing this whole right. I want we're going to want terabit ethernet you're like dude I don't I don't yeah I remember I I'm I'm 31 I remember I remember vaguely remember watching the news and I remember them saying you know war on terror and I'm like oh, but I remember thinking, yeah, we got to go kick these guys' asses. They just, and it's like, sure. but we're not going to stop at uh, Afghanistan. We're going to go and take on every country. And I remember at 11 thinking, I was like, wait, wait, wait hold on. <laughs> like, you know, it's like mom saying, you yeah. just have to, ha- it's like mom saying, you just have yeah. to do one chore. And then you get down there and yeah. your dad's like, all right, we're painting the whole house. And you're like, this is, I was, I've been bamboozled. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, totally. so it's, but to, to really zoom out and, yeah. So if it seems like not seems, but it seems to be not seems, it is an objective truth that the end of every war lays the seeds for the next. And like the sun rising and setting and oceans coming in and out, you start to go, all right, well, this is this. It seems to be a cold, hard facet of humanity. We can look at every war seeding the next back to George Washington, back to the popes, back to the barbarians, back to the Romans forever. Eventually, you got to go. If these tides of war are going to happen, where the war we are the warring species is the next best thing you can do. Yes, we shouldn't do it. Is the next best thing you can do lower the total number of combatant and civilian deaths? And it oh, absolutely. And I I hope (laughs) I I want to be really clear about that. That like oh no, you are yeah, you are brutal versus humane war. We choose humane wars, you know, seven days a week or whatever, twice on Sunday. And and yet I just don't think that's the choice. And and one of the big points of my book in the early parts is to remember that like people used to accept war as a fact of life until Americans in the 19th century said, wait, we could like create a durable peace. And of course they were naive and so forth, but they did get you know, the UN charter done and, you know, in combination with a lot of other factors like American hegemony and nuclear weaponry, you know, we have had great power peace, um, no direct great power war in, in, in since 1945. Um, and so that's a huge win. Now, yeah. as I also emphasize, it came at the cost of America beginning to fight the global wars that European empires had been doing for centuries. And that was bad for us and for, you know, everyone who died, you know, especially if we concede that most of those wars weren't worth fighting. So, you know, we're not there yet. But again, just as we say it really matters to compare wars, we really have to compare pieces. And what I mean by that is, no, no one thinks that you're going to get biblical and get the the end of war. <laughs> yeah. You know, but we can say we can institutionalize peace more or less durably. Yeah. And we've got to figure out how can that be done? Uh, and we're, we're, we're part way there, but we're just not very far. And so I want to get Americans back to remember their ancestors who actually thought this was worth trying. Yeah. Rather than just saying, okay, all that matters is brutal versus humane war. No, that 
that's that, that is a brilliant point and yet no and don't worry you've you have you have made it clear in, in the book and in this podcast no yeah humane over brutal but you're right it's you know what i just said about the rising sun and the tides coming in and out there also is a limitation to those things saying listen we don't have wings yes. and eventually the right brothers were like yo hold my beer hold on yeah. you know maybe we can enter right. a new paradigm you know i've had a, i've interviewed Correct. charlie duke who's walked on the moon you know Incredible. the heavens are for the gods well you know let's you know by yeah. the end of this decade it, sometimes Correct. you can break it you and i are chatting over video right now I mean, that's right. A hundred years ago, it'd be like the telephone's new, but listen, you're never, no, we're doing this right now. And then I'm going to upload it to a global brain called the internet and access it from my phone. Like, so that was a perfect, pulled up your, your book. Um, Hey, Hey Siri, listen to me. You're right. Maybe it does take a change of, of mindset to go, listen, war doesn't have to Siri popping up on my man. Siri, you just interrupted me. Not really helping my case. Maybe it does take an absolute change in mindset of just going these these things. One day, cancer will be a thing of the past. Like one day, right. it will be, and we won't go. Well, cancer is part of life. We'll go. It was for a long right. time. You know. Right. I think, I think that's a brilliant point. No, like there can be peace. War right. can be. You drop a bouncy ball, right? Yeah. Bump, 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 bump. Those are all wars. Each one's getting more humane, less brutal. That doesn't mean it bounces forever. Let's drive it right. more humane until it goes. And then we go, hey, why does the ball even have to bounce? Yeah. I think yeah. that's the. And again, it's not forever. It's no. just saying, how, can we can we durably institutionalize peace until that breaks down? Yeah. It's... You know, it because it's as it's as if we we think there's no alternative to endless american war well there actually is yeah uh, an alternative and it's just at least fighting a, a couple less yeah and then a couple less and as you say maybe weaning yourself from it altogether i was, I was about to except say, when you really need the hit i was about to say you walked right back into my analogy my trap right, you walked right, right back in, right. but no but that's what it is is oftentimes it's you know it's don't don't look at it as can I go the next 50 years without taking a clonazepam? You go, hey, man, can you get through today? That's all I'm asking of you. And you go, I can get through yep. today. And then you wake up the next day and you go, can you just get through one more day? And uh, my mom, yep. my mom and nurse actually gave me a brilliant piece of information or a, a piece of advice. Full disclosure, it's been almost six years since I've taken clonazepam. But um, I remember she said, she goes, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's a, my brother's suicide. Really, uh, really kind of fuck shit up for a little bit. Excuse my French. Absolutely. Yeah. But I remember she said, she goes, there's a brilliant thing in, in, in keeping one. And I did this when I was weaning. Keep one. And, uh, or I've interviewed guys who have talked about, you know, they keep a beer in the refrigerator. They haven't drank in 10 years, but they keep it there and they go, right. if it gets really bad, it's right there. And they sure, go, but because of that, sure. they never touch it. So it's almost like yeah, we yeah. don't have to go, peace Americana, no wars till 3,000. We right. go, hey, maybe let's try to get through until 2030, no yeah. wars. Let's just try it, guys. Yeah. Put our best foot forward. Or we, you know, we've got the nukes. And if you take 10% of the current military budget and you want to build some drones or whatever, feel free. Yeah. But what if we took the other $600 billion <laughs> And put it towards, I don't know, you know, like a functioning train system, like healthcare. <laughs> There's some maglev so, trains, some gigabit um, ethernets, so, you know, yeah, crazy ideas. So, but it, Or like just give it to people who are 20 to 30 to launch their lives. Yeah, you know, just that's fucking what I get think. started. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and I don't think it's an unrealistic. It, 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 I don't think it's this, you know, kumbaya I do think it's realistic. I think it can happen as long as, as you've said multiple times in here. And as I agree with you, 110%, you have to reserve the right for that because sometimes there are assholes like Hitler or Osama bin Laden. They exist. No doubt. And they, no doubt. And they do have to be, that's just the reality. But of course, agreed. I, I, you, you, you've, you've, you've provided me a a moment of growth today. Why does it, it, I know I keep harking on that, but yeah, why does it have to be the argument between humane and brutal? Why can't it also be don't do it at all? And I, I think that's thank you. You have you have changed no my awareness. And 
But well, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I man, really we've ran, enjoyed it. We've run, we've run. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. We've run about about an hour, so let's wrap this one up. But um, Doctor Samuel right. Moyne, author of Humane, for uh, everybody listening, if you uh, if you want a less of a back and forth arguing, not arguing with ourselves, um, get the book. It's a fantastic list, and I put it on two x speed. It's like a four hour book, or do what eight hours. It's great. Um, okay. I won't spoil it for the listeners. Your opening, your opening sequence, by the way, absolutely brilliant. The the, the whole oh, wedding comparison. I mean, that's uh, that could be thank the opening you. of a movie. That was uh, that was thank enthralling. You. But um, I'd love to have you on again sometime. I sure. I just, yeah. Anytime. Choked I'm around. Mind. So uh, yeah, I'd love to have you on again sometime. Dr. Samuel Moyne, author of Humane. I'll put it in the description. And um, thank you for helping me close out 2021 because this is the last episode until January. So episode 653. Have a great holiday and happy new year. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy new year. Stay safe. Love each other. Peace is an option. It doesn't just have to be humane or brutal. Much like Peace politi- on earth. Goodwill to men. Much like political discourse during a, during a family holiday dinner. It doesn't have to be lightly or heavily po- uh, political. It can just be watch football and drink. Like It can, it can right. just be that. Peace yeah. on earth. Goodwill Keep to men. Dr. Moyne, thank you, sir. I'll send you an email when Thanks this one so is much. uploaded. Thank you very much for coming on right. here. Take care, everybody. Right, have a good night. You as well, right. man. Take care, buddy. Recording Peace. stopped.